Hello, and such a warm welcome to you all this evening or late afternoon, wherever you're coming in um, or dialing in, as, as it were, in the world. And thank you so much for being with us for this extraordinary conversation tonight, returning to Circle, and of course, with the incredible Dina Thompson. Um, I'm Molly Rowan Leach. I'm the founder along with a lot of other amazing colleagues and friends involved over the last uh, almost 13 years, Restorative Justice on the Rise, um, the first, as far as we know, known restorative justice podcast, um, started way back then, <laughs> it seems like forever ago, and just yesterday, all the same. And our mission and purpose has always been to be a people's platform for restorative dialogue, for solutions building, for advocacy and connection. And it's a pleasure and an honor to do this work alongside and with you. And tonight we are gonna have an awesome opportunity to hear from an incredible human being, um, an <laughs> incredible guide, uh, a very humble guide. And um, I'm just hoping that everybody can hear me okay because I'm seeing a couple uh, people maybe give me a sign that the sound's not so good. Can everybody hear okay? Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, so back to just setting the tone for tonight. Um, the theme of our session is returning to circle and of course featuring um, a, a conversation with Dina Thompson, who is the executive director of the Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition she also is a founding member uh, along with, alongside and with others of that coalition. She is a professor of restorative justice and she's, um, I think most importantly, one of the most Only 10 people on the call. enthusiastic, grounded practitioners in this field that I have had the pleasure of getting to know. And she and I um, kind of, circled around, back around after getting to know each other a bit during COVID um, initially. And it's just extraordinary to follow the work that uh, Dina is doing with she and her colleagues from all different pockets of the field, um, criminal justice, community advocacy, uh, mental health programs, diversity, equity and inclusion programs, um, the list goes on. So Dina rubs shoulders with a lot of different people who, if you are a restorative practitioner or interested in it, um, in, in implementation, in um, how we build coalitions, um, both very locally as, more, as well as more widely, then you're in the right place tonight. Um, I hope you got a chance to take a look at the EC, uh, excuse me, the Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition website. And since we are only here together for a very limited amount of time, meaning an hour today. Um, I'll just go ahead and recommend to you, if you haven't already surfed over, to um, give them some love, give them a donation, support their work, spread the word, and check out some of the tabs that, that are on that website too. I was spending some time um, checking out and just kind of taking a tour of, of what they've got up there. And I was really impressed by, for example, their community referral form, um, direct referrals, as well as um, various ways of making that initial point of connection really simple and straightforward for those who are seeking restorative 
services. So kudos to you all. And um, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us tonight, Dina. Thank you so much. And um, I just, uh, I'll stop for a minute and then I just have a few more points I wanna provide for structure for everyone because we want you to know that you're involved in this conversation too. It's not just between Dina and I. So welcome, Dina. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to say you're going in and out of my um, my Wi-Fi. So I'm trying to see if it's my Wi-Fi or if it's here. Um, is, it, are, is Molly going in and out for anybody else or just me? Can you hear me, Molly? I can hear you crystal clear. It's just you. Okay, you can is it just me? So she's only going in and out for just me. Okay, give me one second. I have three choices of Wi-Fi to pick from in my yeah, house. And I'm going to switch my Wi-Fi. Don't switch it. No, don't worry just about that. While, while you're doing that, okay. I'm going to go ahead and show people your website um, and give a little bit more information about restorative okay. justice on the rise. So you you just take care and um, we'll come right back to you, Dina, while you're getting that taken okay. care of. Okay, perfect. Uh, All right, I will so, do that. So the ECRJ, uh, excuse me, ECRJC.org website is, um, th this is the spot that I was talking about. Um, please check it out and um, support them. And if you haven't already seen all the different things that they're doing here, um, really impressive work and has built exponentially really from what I, what it appears um, from the outside with me, myself, I'm sitting in Colorado um, and we have quite a, a healthy and hearty restorative justice coalition here in Colorado as well. Um, and it's just wonderful to see um, people coming together in a collaborative spirit. And as Dina beautifully told me on one of our phone calls, you know, that it really is about um, the simplicity of returning to circle. So if you're one of those awesome people that um, felt like you wanted to put in your thoughts when you RSVP'd for this event, um, your thoughts about returning to circle, what does that mean to you? Um, we'd love to be able to share your thoughts out with your permission only though, um, to the Restorative Justice on the Rise Network and to get people more excited about um, contemplating that question. What does it really mean um, to return to circle? So Dina, how's your Wi-Fi doing? And um, you feel like we're ready to go? Did we lose her? Okay, so we lost Dina for a minute. Um, how many of you have been on like a restorative justice on the rise panel, advocacy event or training or um, are there people here that are brand new to restorative justice on the rise offerings? It's always interesting to find out. Yeah, just a thumbs up or um, press the thumbs up button, whatever you feel like doing. There she is back. Um, so we have a podcast that has a very robust archive of conversations with leadership. And there's Dina, she's back. Um, guides in the field, everyone from Arun Gandhi, um, uh, Mahatma Gandhi's um, grandson to 
um, today's conversation with Dina Thompson. So, and everything in between, everyone um, in between, and still so many more people like yourselves to invite into this conversation. So we're really grateful for the opportunity to provide this service. If you wanna support us in any way you can, um, financially, make a donation, do that for Dina's org, please. And also spread the word about our work if you're inclined to. We really appreciate you and your work and your voice. So Dina, welcome back. It looks I'm like you're so all set. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. I am all set. Um, I'm, I'm going to change my name, though sometimes I think my name is my organizational name. Um, I'm going to separate us uh, today uh, just that. Uh, we'll also say um, uh, my last name, which a lot of people think because of I put um, identify myself on Zoom. They think my last name is love, but love is actually the value I like to bring um, into a space. Um, and so instead of just looking at me as I really want to be expressed by my value and my value to bring into a space is love and um, because the reason why I do work or was connected in this work was because of my faith. And for me, defining love would be love is patient, is kind. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. It's not envious or boastful. And so when you see me, um, that is how I want to be seen when I'm my best self in a space. So I'm going to lift up that value because that's the value I'm going to be speaking from um, here today. Uh, I'm so excited because I see friends um, on this huh. this meeting today. Friends I haven't seen in such a long period of time, and my heart is warmed. So I'm already feeling very loved um, here today. So um, thank you um, just for showing up. I mean, thank you for showing up. Thank you for continuing the conversation. Hmm. Um, we always say restore people, restore people. And so we can't get restored unless we are in places and spaces where we can begin to receive that. So I'm hoping that that's the way that people get to walk away from this space today. Like just feeling like I just took care of myself today and I'm feeling very restored. Um, so that, I think that's going to be part of our conversation today. So thank you and welcome friends, new and old. <laughs> mm. Thank you so much, Dina. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, and I, um, I always appreciate, uh, just listening to you and learning from you. And um, again, your enthusiasm and acumen um, and your ability to connect with people in hmm. a meaningful way and very quickly is really admirable to me. Um, and I, I was wondering if we might just go ahead and dive in. And then of course we want to, we want to invite you all, um, those of you who are here um, and welcome to those who might be listening to this on the podcast after the fact. Um, that we'll be holding some time aside for a Q&A with Dina. And if you would like to um, bring questions to her as they come as well, we can, we can try and fit those in. So I'll be watching for anybody that might have a burning question while we're in the heat of discussion together. We want to open it up and really be that circle um, for this time together. That sound good, Dina? That's awesome. Okay, awesome. All right, so I think I'd love to prompt with just um, kind of my own curiosity that might also be shared by the group here today. 
what what got you into this work? And do you have a restorative story that you would like to make known? Ah, <laughs> what got you into this work? Um, well, I think um, restorative practice is innate in all of us. Um, and in that, I think we all have this kind of um, implicit way in which we engage with people. And I believe that restorative practice by defining that, by learning more about it makes it explicit. So I all um, my first job was working at in a boys and girls club and I worked with youth. I connected with youth. I learned how to coach basketball. I've been a coach for a long time in my life. Um, I'm a teacher. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a nurturer. I'm a middle child. Like these are all the things that built up in, in me and myself that I was already re practicing um, restorative practice. And then when I kind of discovered, wow, by definition, what restorative justice is, when I connected with my own heritage, I knew that this was already an indigenous practice that my people were practicing in. So it was something that came, became very alive for me when I learned um, different ways about how to explicitly teach people how to connect with one another in a very authentic way. Um, and so uh, we could talk a little bit about that journey because some of that journey is, you know, formalizing that in education, formalizing that in training, but also um, I really firmly believe in how do we um, really go back to the root. So part of my um, indigenous uh, heritage is, or, or my ancestry comes from Nigeria, comes from Ghana, comes from the Congo. Um, I did not find out about that. Um, um, by, I, I found out about that by choice, right? I had to pay an organization to find out like, what is my history? What is my DNA? But then on finding about a lot of those things, I just kind of dove into the practices of what that culture was like. So this is like just a natural uh, practice of a culture, um, that, um, I say right now was stolen from me. And that part of saying that is because that is a part of me that I need to restore, Right. So that is the part that I need to keep coming back to. That is the part that I need to come back to and then be able to explicitly practice that in my work. So I'm connecting that with our, our Western culture and then also the culture um, that I um, that was stolen from me. And so I'm reconciling a little bit um, about that um, on this journey of restoring myself and then providing opportunities and places and spaces for people to do the same thing. So um, I will say that was also highlighted by this um, faith journey that I'm on. Uh, I just remember we read this book in church one time about, um, it's called The Circle Maker. And it's about circling things that you really wanted to see done in your life. At the time, again, I was working with youth, coaching you through mentoring, coaching you through some difficult situations in the area that I'm working with. And I'm like, you know what? I need some more skills to be able to do this. And so I went back to school and that's when I formally discovered restorative practice, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I was looking for. And so after that, I just kind of um, went into this kind of exploration about, you know, how do we make this a part of our lives? How do we continually create spaces for people to engage in this very authentic way and start using more punitive responses to try to manage behavior? How can we use and leverage relationships to be able to do that? So yeah, that's kind of my roundabout story. Thank you so much for sharing that and um, just helping us all to feel 
an immediate depth of connection with you on that point. Um, from you know, we all come from different lenses and and places and spaces, but um, you know, you do such a beautiful job with with uh, honestly acknowledging um, for self and for community what those needs and unmet mm -hmm. needs might be. Thank you so much, Dina. I find mm -hmm. that acknowledgement is just such a such an integral part of this work of returning to circle and circle gives us mm -hmm. the power to acknowledge if if it's if it's conscientiously held would you not agree mm -hmm. oh yeah. i 100% agree um so yes uh, go ahead go ahead no i i was just going to i was going to agree and so no please continue i i acknowledge right now i think we might have a slight lapse on the zoom so um okay bear with us yeah um okay. and to our community here um so today's session we we thought a bit about like what how would we like to frame this conversation and we came up with returning to circle and mm. i'm wondering if you might share specifically what that means to you dina if you're willing and perhaps we'll oh. pop up a couple anonymous um, shares from our community about their response to that as well. But but let's hear mm -hmm. from you first. Um, sure. Well, I love the community. Um, a circle for me uh, reminds me of community. And so I feel like when we think about the creation and the start of man uh, and, and this beautiful thing called a fire, where people kind of gathered around um, the fire to make the important decisions about how the community is going to be run. I think we've lost that in today's society, but um, this idea of gathering around where everyone is seen and everyone is heard and everybody's um, perspective um, has some value, dignity, and worth to the decision-making, to the decisions that impact us all. So returning to circle means that we are returning to a place that everyone can be seen um, and heard and listened to in a very authentic way. And that people's uh, opinions and experiences are valued. Um, and because they are valued, they are important to the decisions that impact us all. Thank sure. you. That would be my circle son giving me a kiss goodbye. <laughs> and that, that that's part of it, right? It's like coming back to the circle. Um, and, and But it means all of that. So coming back to all of that within community, coming back to the family um, circle unit, coming back to even like the root of it is circling around yourselves. How are we taking care of ourselves? How are we filling our, our own cups? Um, when we talk about a lot in our practice and our work, we talk about the restorative practice continuum. And I think the missing part on that continuum that we have begun to teach on is that the intra being, if we are not coming back to self, if we're not coming back to taking care of ourselves, we cannot give to others. We cannot even work on the continuum because we can't healthily um, engage with other people. Did I just make up a word, but we can't in healthy ways engage with other people um, if we are not taking care of ourselves because we're not giving, we're giving from an empty cup, right? So returning to circle definitely means for me, returning to self and then became able to return to the community because within the community lies all the answers because the people who are impacted by the decisions are there. Um, so it is a constant return to the circle with every community that we work with. So number one, how am I returning to myself? How am I taking care of myself so I can walk into places and spaces in a healthy way to be my authentic self? What do I need from community if I'm not feeling 
my authentic self? Can we bring each other together so that I can get my needs met within the community so that I can be my best self and you can be your best self? Kind of this idea of Ubuntu, right? Um, I cannot be fully who I can be unless you can be fully who you can be. So it's coming back to the circle really means um, all of that together. Because what what directly impacts me also indirectly impacts everyone around me. And that makes this ripple effect. So it's always circles. It's always circles. And when we talked a little bit in the beginning about how I came to this practice, um, my first job, you know, being a coach, we always came back to the circle. I mean, when things were messed up, I'm like, okay, everybody huddle up. We're going to get in this circle. And we're going to talk about what's the, what we have to do. And we're going to create this strategy. And then we're going to go out and we're going to execute this strategy, right? Um, so it's always like innate in us, like, let's come back to the circle and let's be able to do these things. And I am so moved every single time when we bring youth in circles, like it's just the natural part of who they are. And they begin to talk and they begin to get, find their own agency. And then they begin to express these um, inventive and, and, and innovative ideas about how to do things and how to move forward. Even when there's been a harm that has occurred, um, there is something that um, when we come together as a community, that there's a release and a shame response um, because the community is owning some of that, right? The community is owning some of that conflict. The community is owning some of that harm and together we're coming together to figure out ways in which we can move forward and repair it. So it's always coming back to that. We work with a lot of families and we're bringing the family back together um, in this very circled conversation to have this conversation so that we all can be seen and heard in this authentic way and then make decisions together. So that's what returning to the circle means for me. Wow. Wow, thank you so much. My goodness. Um, so beautifully put and so thorough um, and, and wide rippling you are with your, with your languaging of this. Thank you. Um, I thank you. If I may, I'd love to put up on the screen for just a moment to um, just just share what the community um, came up with mm -hmm. in the RSVP for this event. And of course, nobody's name is being um, shown here, but we have, we, we had so many wonderful responses from, from people in um, what does returning to circle mean to them? And mm -hmm. um, as you can see, uh, I'll just read a few maybe, um, it means returning to a community-based approach of dealing with harm and wrongdoing. It means returning to the indigenous model of honoring humanity as a priority rather than an afterthought. Returning to circle is a reminder of days as a youth when trust came easier, relationships formed over simply being together and genuine humanity centered me. I welcome this return. Mm. Um, and then a shout out uh, from someone, it sounds like you might work with Dina, I'm sure um, maybe it's one of these lovely people on right now live, but thank you um, to everyone who submitted these. Uh, mm -hmm. This one is, uh, I know and have worked with Dina, so it means I am excited to hear anything she has to say and reconnect. Turning to circle to me means that even though so many people can be exposed to circle, love it, be curious and interested in it, and see and state the benefits, we don't readily rely on it or use it, 
especially within systems, mm -hmm. unless the restorative justice practitioner is there to make it happen and lead the way. Circle's power to help invite the wisdom of the group, elicit thoughts, connect us, help us realize we aren't alone, and create a sense of unity is something I experience so often. Returning to or continuing with the circle is powerful, yet it is not a natural reflex for almost all of us. So just, um, there were so many, there were, I think at least maybe 16 to 20 folks that um, some who may not be here live that put in their thoughts on that. So thank you to those of you who took the time to share and uh, maybe we'll come back to a few more later. Um, but Dina, you said something really interesting about uh, basketball. And I wondered if we could just quickly touch on really the relationship between that sport and um, circle itself and restorative practices in its best form. Basketball um, is, mm. is really uh, a different, uh, well, or any team sport really, is a deferral to the group wisdom in its best form, mm -hmm. right? Like Phil Jackson yes. and his book, Sacred Hoops, you probably know, mm -hmm. some attending tonight may know. Um, the principle uh, was, of course, that um, to, to drop the eye and build a bridge, you know, between mm. the players. And that in that state of selflessness and teamwork, um, they came up with a brilliant plan. Obviously, they won how many championships? The Bulls, I think yeah. five or six. <laughs> Did you want to say a little bit more, though, about sport and its relationship to restorative justice and practices? Um, I, and I feel like it's ways in pe which people can look at, you know, how they're already practicing um, being restored people or creating and building and maintaining relationships with, which is what restorative practice means to me. And so um, before I, I, I was a practitioner um, in restorative practices, um, as a coach, I strongly felt that relationships is the most important part of any team. Um, and so most of my coaching, um, and I coach girls with Kent, which can be a little challenging if anyone works with girls. Um, so it can be a little challenging. And so most of my practices were around relationship building. And so we did a lot of relationship building um, within the within the team. We did a lot of talking and people are like, why? This is not coaching. You know, I'm not coaching basketball, but we were building just relationships. And in the building relationships, we built trust among um the, the the kids who are on the team. The thing I loved about it is it also spilled into the classroom. Like they trusted each other in the classroom too. Um, and so we did a lot of drills that had to do with trusting one another. I partnered, you know, we always had the starters on the team, but I always partner starters with non-starters. And so that was just part of um, our workout session when we were doing. So they're always building um, the team because our philosophy is we're only as strong as our bench. So if our bench isn't strong, our team isn't strong. So we have to build up the skill set in all of us. And um, so we would practice together and we would do some community building things together and we would run through our drills and we were pretty good. Um, we got to the championship game and we were losing this game. <laughs> and um, I could see the team like getting a little frustrated. So I brought the team over in this huddle. I'm like, okay, guys, what do you want to do here? And the captain of the team said, put the bench in. 
I'm like, what? They're like, let's just put the bench in. So that's what we did. I'm like, okay, if you guys are all for it, let's do it. This team stayed on the sidelines yelling and screaming like we were winning the whole entire game. I was cracking up the whole time. It didn't matter what they did. It don't matter what mistake they did. They made one basket. Like, and we're, I'm telling you, we're really losing. I was laughing hysterically. We lost. Everybody came over. We were cheering like we won. Everyone in the crowd was so confused. The coach came over to me. He goes, what did you do with that team? Like we didn't win, but he wants to know what we did with this team. And that was the best moment when I knew that relationships was the key to building anything. And so we won. To me, we won. And so that was like, okay, this, this is the real deal. Relationships is really what matters. And it didn't matter to the girls, especially... <laughs> You know, especially eighth grade girls, like eighth grade girls, like, uh, no, <laughs> everything matters, you know? Um, and so they were like, no, we don't care. We came in second. We took our little second place trophy and we were fine with it. So yeah, that was like the best coaching moment. Wow. Love it. My, my dad, yeah. was, uh, a college basketball coach and I grew up with the game. So, uh, I wonder if there's any other <laughs> basketball fans here on with us this evening. Um, so that, that well, aspect of relationship, <laughs> <hands up> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, I mean, yeah. So this aspect of relationship though, um, when you and I were connecting in the past months, um, for, you know, the book project and for other things that we've been discussing, I just kept feeling, um, the strong sincerity that you carry no matter who you're having a conversation with, whether it's a judge, um, a DA, you know, a victim's advocate, um, some of these people mm -hmm. may at first provide quite a bit of pushback. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, pushback or skepticism or both, because you really have done an extraordinary job moving forward with a coalition that is very wide. So, if you would be mm -hmm. willing to share two things, um, would you would you give us some tips on on relating and building relationships with people in that are in professional positions that would really benefit a coalition's growth, right? To have voices of mm -hmm. of skepticism or you know um, friendly skepticism, even willingness or non willingness, how? How do you go about um, building that um, initially, building that connection? Do what kind of questions might you ask? What what's your um, what's your approach? And then tell us a little bit about um, the you know the brief history of the coalition and how it came from you know being uh, an idea to a very strong um, and working statewide right I, I, or it's countywide mm -hmm. but i'm sure it's influencing oh, people state. yeah mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. a big, that's a big pocket of uh scenario or, or responses to ask of you all at once but um if you would start where you feel most inclined yeah um and so um I, I'm appreciating all the ECRJC cheerleaders that are um, on this call right now because many of them are um, have walked this journey with us. They have they are facilitators with ECRJC. I see some thumbs and hands up um, because we know we can't do this this work alone. Um, but I think 
we, I personally, um, in being one of the uh, founding members of this organization, start with the, the basics of human beings. We're not human doings, we're human beings. And the basic part of human beings is that we are creatures of belonging. We need each other. And we're always searching for connections. Sometimes those are great connections. Sometimes there are not so great connections. So I start off with the idea that we are more alike than we are different and we all are seeking belonging. And so if I can start off with that, I can go into any room and think, everybody's looking for belonging in this room. How do, how can I connect? Like, how do we connect? If that's my mindset walking into a room, how can we connect? How can I find out or how can I discover or how can we build into this room that we are more than alike than we are different? So um, when we are creating relationship with the police department and I had struggles with the police department when I was young, I'm not going to kid you. <laughs> so um, people of color have a struggle with the police department. Um, and so walking into those places where I wasn't always the most confident person, but I did know that the thing that we have in common is we want to keep community safe. Um, we can't do that in silos. We can't do it alone. The police department can't do it without the community and the community um, are working with the police department. I will put it like that. We're working with the police department. Um, and so um, I always look like, okay, what are ways that, that, that we can connect? And because um, restorative practice is my passion, um, it's, and it's also really who I am, I am willing to work in long-term relationships to make relationships happen. That's why my value is love, right? Um, so with the police department and with the DA's office, I sat on a table um, that was formed by the Community Foundation of Greater Buffalo that was looking at racial equity. Um, and so we were all sitting at the same table, listening to data. We were listening to community responses to some of the data that we were hearing, um, and we were sharing stories. Uh, it took an 18-month relationship to build trust um, for one another for us to begin to talk about, hey, what does it look like to pilot something together? And so um, being patient in a relationship, um, building up the value of trust, honoring one another's values that we were bringing into the space, honoring one another's experiences that we were bringing into the space, and even honoring each other's organizations, we were able to build a or create a pilot, particularly with the DA's office and the police department. Um, and the Center for Resolution and Justice. So we work with the mediation um, organization as well to create a diversion pro program that really at this point focused on the increase of car thefts that we were seeing within our communities. And so we were talking, we we're at this table and we we're kept looking to data. I'm like, we can't keep coming just listening to data. We got to walk away and create something. So we just had a side meeting aside from this and say, what do you think that we could create? And we were already working with our, our local um, mediation uh, uh, organization or partner. And we were doing like smaller diversion uh, cases that we received from probation. Um, and that was just a restorative practice conferencing. So using um, victim offenders or harmed and harmed people and community-based members bringing people together so that youth could be accountable and responsible um, for the crimes that they committed or the harms that they have done to our community, coming up with a an agreement uh, uh, that was victim-centered, but also a tangible resource for the youth 
and their families so the youth wouldn't reoffend. So when I say a tangible resource for the youth, um, many youth were looking at things like um, unemployment or they needed life skills or mentoring or um, mental health supports. And so we the youth would be walking away with the tangible support as well. Um, but what we learned in just doing that is that there were deeper levels of responses that needed and more follow through because at that time we had an increase of um, a lack of positive engagement with our police department and our youth. Um, so we, uh, together with the police department, the DA's office, um, the Center for Resolution and Justice, and our organization and many other community-based organizations, we looked at what if we had three touches with youth? Um, and then the DA's office put on the table, what if we told youth that they could have their record as sponge if they participated in the program? And they were like, okay, so that's a great tangible resource for youth. Um, it would also give youth a second chance and a second opportunity um, after we connected them with a the positive resource afterwards not to reoffend. So we put together this three-part series. One, uh, we kept the first part where we had the... Um, the, uh, the victim and the youth offender come together. We had that conversation. We had supports for both the victim and the offender. We had community supports in there that would provide um, a resource to meet the um, to to meet the needs of the victim. So if the victim wanted um, like some of the money paid back or something like that, there would be a resource within a space um, that could help. Um, employ the the youth or um, if it's community service, then there would be a community service um, organization within the conversation. If it's mental health, it would be a mental health organization in there. So we would also have always have a representative of the community in that conversation. We would have that meeting usually last about two and a hour, sometimes three hours, depending on how deep the conversations uh, were. Uh, we've had that initial meeting. The person who was harmed or the victim would walk away feeling great feeling seen, feeling heard, and feeling that they have obtained the justice that they needed to move forward in a positive way. And then the second part is, uh, which we added, was building that relationship with the police department. And so we were very particular about the police department that we partnered with. Uh, the police department had to be in and of the community that the youth had offended from. Um, the, the, the police had to look like the youth who were offending. So we were very particular about the police that we used. Um, and that was, that was uh, we do have a police department that is the neighborhood engagement team. So these are boots on the ground police um, officers that do live in the community and they give back and they serve the community in other ways besides just policing the community. Um, so we met with them. We have a restorative circle talking about community safety and everyone's responsibility and in keeping the community safe. And then we would do these crazy role plays with the police um, in which the police would play youth and the youth would play the police. It was hysterical. It was, it's literally hysterical. Everybody left laughing. And um, it, that's a part of the program we really want to ex uh, expand upon because everyone has such a great time at the, that engagement. And then the third part where we connect youth directly with a service that is in their community. Thereby we're building up um the ability to resource organizations that are in and of that youth's community. We are um, addressing any barriers of transportation for youth to go to those services because a lot of times when they are just given uh, services through probation, youth can't get there. There's all these issues and barriers for them to be able to meet the expectations that they're given. So we make sure that the youth can meet the expectation of that. But it's also 
uh, we include that there is some kind of competency building, not only relationship connection, but competency building. So if it's anything they want to work on, like I want to learn how to run my own business. Um, I'm looking into, uh, I want to create sweatshirts. Um, I want to learn more about music. I need mental health um, advocacy support. Like we're creating, we're centering the voice of the youth. And then we make sure that we partner with that organization and have them represented at the last meeting. And then the youth sign up for that. And um, we see them in like, we, we check on them for three months and then six months. And because probation don't, they don't follow youth beyond um, six months, then that's um, pretty much the end of when we're following them. So we've had a pretty good um, rate of youth not uh, reoffending. I think we are at 79 or 80%. Um, of youth um, not reoffending um, uh, within that period of time. And they go beyond that because we see them um, all the time. <laughs> so, because I live in the community, I see them a lot. I'm like, hey, I know you, you did that thing for me. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Um, so it's, uh, so that's, that's part of that. And that, that relationship was, you know, created around that table. And it also speaks to the work that we do in schools too. So we see the youth, um, we are partnered with a number of school districts um, in our area. So we also see the same students in the schools that we work with um, as well. And we're building a bridge between the work that we're doing um, for youth who are involved in the criminal justice system um, and, and the school system too. So we want the school system to be involved in that because the school, the prison pipeline is real. Most of our kids, especially in the last round we did, we had 10 kids in the last round, every last one of them were suspended. So um, we are definitely looking at data like that and then trying to work with the school system uh, to be part of this. And like, what are some diversion options we can do even for suspension is our plan right now. Wow. And this has all grown quite quickly and exponentially, hasn't it? Could you, could you help us ground in a timeline, just a quick linear snapshot of, of A to, A to Z, Z meaning where we are right now? Yeah, COVID. Um, when COVID started, um, we had to shift a lot of things. And so um, the work that we were doing, we are doing was so timely because so did our criminal justice system, so did our school system. Everyone had to shift during the time of COVID. And because of this shift, people are looking for more innovative ideas to do things and address some things. And so um, then they said, hey, remember that organization we talked to like a year ago? <laughs> I wonder if they're still around. Let's call them and see if they could help us. And so we just said, okay, yeah, we can. We got a lot of ideas here. And so our big, huge shift, like in three years, uh, we're, we probably tripled in size um, in like in just three years. And I mean, to the point of people who are on this call, we, um, I didn't speak to this, but we, uh, because we also experienced not only COVID, but our community also experienced a mass shooting at a, a targeted um supermarket. It was racially motivated. And so um, we did not have enough people of color to respond to um, some of the community members. So we went to many of our um, foundations. We went to a statewide organization called um, DCJS, which is the Department of Criminal Justice Services. And we asked for funding so that we could um, train community members to be restorative practice uh, practitioners. So the difference between being trained in restorative practice and restorative practice practitioners means that 
we um, we not only train you in restorative practice, but we work with you um, in your practitioner skills. So we do like eight rounds of coming to circles. And then you, after coming to um, the circle practice, then you sit and you sit in one of our circles um, that we do for the community and sometimes for this uh, diversion program. And then you, uh, then you co-facilitate one and then you facilitate one. And then we kind of graduate you over um, to be a an actual um, restorative practice uh, practitioner. Um, so we did this with um, uh, a foundation in the uh, Department of Criminal Justice Services and with our uh, another grant that we got for youth because youth are also really, really important to us. So we have developed a number of cohorts for circle keepers, for healing circles and running peace circles and other kinds of circles in the community. Uh, a lot of people from organizations come to us and they just use this as an HR model. Um, so we we do that for that. We uh, train parents. And so parents could use this as part of um, their uh, parent engagement, healthy parent engagement, positive conversations with um, their their children. Um, and then we also use it um, in conferencing and people who really want to look into more of a diversion model. Um, but we, we thought it was important to train people who are um, in and of the community and to have a choice of community members that reflect the community, especially after um, our 514 mass shooting at TOPS. Um, then uh, we also like to center youth voice. And sometimes when too many adults are in the, the room, the youth voice gets lost. And so we um, have run a number of cohorts just training youth. So we have a number of youth facili uh, facilitators um, as well. And so as we engage with community and in, in, um, in circle, we have a number of um, partners and practitioners to, to choose from to really meet the needs of, of who is requesting um, to have the support that they need. Yeah. Wow. And, I, and so wow. here's the the last little model I, I will say too. There's another thing we're modeling for the state. And so when you said, oh, just um, um, the work that we're doing locally, statewide, we are, we believe that every culture should be restorative. Every culture should have an explicit restorative model. Um, so right now, what we're modeling for the state is we are working with two residential centers to change the culture of that residential center. So we work with, work with an all-male um, facility and an all-female facility. And so we work with the staff and we train youth. Um, we want to we want to impact the the next generation because if you're investing in youth, you're investing in the future of our country, right? And so we are training um, youth and uh, the workers within those facilities to um, have a more number one restorative response, have a better positive engagement with youth who are um, in those facilities, but um, to look more closely at the underlying conditions that are causing those behaviors. And so if we're looking at the underlying conditions that are causing those behaviors, youth are open enough to share those with us, then we can resource them better so that they're not reoffending. And so as we have these conversations within these facilities, then we are able to connect them with um, community-based organizations to help resource them as they transition um, from those places. So those are two things that we're piloting statewide and we're piloting one um, within our region in Erie County too. So we're in three detention facilities as well. Fantastic work, just amazing. And kudos to everybody who's a part of it alongside and with Dina. 
that's here tonight. Um, I, uh, I think, you know, it's probably a great time to see if anyone has a question. Um, time just flies when you're having fun. <laughs> and here we are already approaching the top of the next hour. So, um, Dina, would you be willing to stay just a few minutes after the hour in case there's more questions? Um, and just, you know, typically these are an hour in length. I want to respect your time and everyone else's, but, um, if that works for you, that would be great. Um, so let's open it up yeah. right now. Um, if you have a question or a comment that you'd like to make or a reflection, if you would be willing to arrive in a way that works for you, since we're on Zoom, um, you can keep your camera off, uh, you can use your mic, or you can simply uh, type a question in the chat and we'll look over there as well. So we're opening that uh, time up now for you to interact with, with Dina and together with others, if you wish. So anyone like to start with something? Um, I have a question. Yes, Brenda. Thank um, you. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate what the work that you've been doing and, and all that you have been talking about. I am on a similar type of group um, called a collaborative review team where we review cases from youth and, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm just wondering, how do you deal with, um, because I think early on um, the county was saying that we didn't have time to give every person time in circle. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Mm -hmm. um, and, and talking about, you know, just the capacity to do all of that work. So I'm just wondering, how did you get past that point where there isn't time for everyone's story to be heard? Because, you know, we're not offering them that restorative piece um, mm -hmm. to participate and tell their own story and to sit down in circle, like you said, with uh, with police officers that are in and in the community and that kind of thing, um, because that seems the thing we don't have time to do for every single case. Don't have. We're going to get the time one way or another. So the time is going to be taken is you get to choose the way you get to spend the time. So for me, um, I, I say um, that's that's fine. Like, but everyone teaches one. So if you give me one, I'm happy with the one. But then usually when they give me one, then I get two and then I get three. And so even doing this work, Brenda, I'll tell you, um, we did this work for the first two rounds for free. Like, they just said, I'm like, you just give us the kids in. There's no, it's no sweat off your back. Like you just give us the kids. We'll just take the kids. And so that's exactly what we did. And because we did such a great job, then they started giving us more kids and more kids and more kids. So I, 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 as I shouldn't say I, but we as an organization knew what we could do. And so we said, okay, you don't have to pay for it. I'll find the money somewhere in our budget. Um, I'm waving out and giving a shout out to our uh, ECRJC volunteer facilitators because without them, we couldn't do the work, right? So we had some volunteer facilitators. Who, yes, we will take the cases. Yes, we will facilitate the cases. And so I, though I didn't have a budget to do this, I had people who were willing to do the work. And so as we proved that we could do it, then the cases started coming and more cases started coming. And to the fact that right now I said, I'm not taking any more of this round. 
So I said, I'm, I'm going to take per round. We're going to have seven kids. The last one, I had 10 rounds. And I said, I'm not doing that anymore. That was a lot of cases to take in one round. Um, so I think that we just proved ourselves and say, okay, you give me one. But here's the thing that's great for us. Um, sometimes like when we had a, uh, a one youth who went through our program and his friend got he said, just ask for that program, dude, ask for that. You ask for that program, you'll get whatever you want. So we have young people who are no longer offending, who are telling their friends who are still in the system, ask for that and you'll get the help you need. Mm -hmm. So our youth are also telling other youth to be able to ask for that as well. Um, our other connection, Brenda, is we're really trying to offer restorative processes throughout our community. So at our, our different youth community centers at like at school, like every place that can be touched by youth. We want to make sure that there can be a restorative connection in that. And when I say the difference between a restorative connection and a, a notion is just being able to meet people in a very authentic way. And we are coming back to the circle constantly, right? We're still coming back to the beginning. We're just making sure that person is whole as a person first before we're starting engaging and asking them to do things that are along this continuum of the circle. So we're constantly coming back. And it's interesting because we are just like redefining what this circle is. It's not this kind of line of a continuum for us. It's more like that slinky, right? It's spiral that's going down and around and around and around. Because I'm always coming back to self. I'm always coming back to engagement. I'm always coming back to these small group conversations and the formal circle process. So it's, it's really something that should be spinning constantly around and around and around. And that's why I keep saying I'm, I'm always coming back to the circle because I'm always moving it around and around. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Brenda. Really appreciate you posing the question. And um, looks like we have uh, Ellen. Would, would you like to ask your question now? Welcome, Ellen. Yeah, thank you. Um, I loved the training. Loved, loved, loved it. I personally feel restored whenever I do a circle, whether someone else is leading it or myself. Just a, a really fine experience. But how many years have you actually been in existence? And since um, you've spoken about your growth and I've seen evidence of the growth, how are you funded? Um, so interesting because before I came here, um, I, I was at, uh, I'm, I'm in a, um, a leaders of color, um, uh, organization that's, uh, sponsored by a local foundation. And they just whispered in my ear, oh, we're, we're going to give you this gift of this money. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> so, so now it's, it, it's this part, but here is the commitment. We started in 2010 with a group of people around the idea looking at the data and saying, you know, there's a disproportionality of the number of black and brown kids who are entering to our criminal justice system. We need to do something about it. So it was a conversation, I always like to say this started around the tree about let's do something. Mm -hmm. Shortly after that, um, a young man in our school district was um, murdered um, at a bus stop after being sent home from school from a um, and so we really knew that we had to do something. And so 
we uh, equipped a group of people who were interested in doing something about that. I, at the time, was one of those people. Uh, we were trained in restorative practice, and then we um, went for further training to become um, trainers in restorative practice. Um, and so we were sitting around and like, um, some people fall off because that's what happens. But in 2013, we decided like, no, we are serious about doing this work. We became a 501c3. Um, we still worked all our regular jobs and worked twice as hard still doing this work as well. Um, mm -hmm. Then it became to this realization, as I told you before, um, just kind of my faith that said, you need to move and really do this work. And so I actually quit my job in the school, which we worked for three years, changing the culture in that school to be a restorative school. So that first model, right? My first model was working in this school in 2013 and we shift the culture in that school. So I knew this could work. Um, we had the buy-in of everyone in the school. I knew this could work. Um, so I shifted from that. I left and I believed in this work. I said, well, uh, I talked to my husband. He goes, uh, you're crazy, but go ahead. So I quit my job. I did this for free. I worked for the organization for free. I did consulting with the Center for Resolution and Justice. I did some consulting work um, around our city in restorative practices. We got a few contracts to keep the organization going. Um, at that time, I was board chair. I was not an employee of the organization. And we, but we began to build capacity. We got Buffalo Public Schools signed us on as our first contract. So we got some money. Um, and then we proved that we could do what we say with working with that one. Then we got another school district and another school district. So primarily we are a training, consulting and um, supporting organization. So that's one way that we get um, our funding. Uh, another way we get our funding is through state grants. Um, so we have straight grants that we, um, we use. We try to put everything we do so a lot of our straight grants are focusing on training the community and getting uh, more community cohorts to do this work. Uh, there's a foundation that supports us to do the three-part series work I described earlier. Um, so they pay us for the next two years to be able to do that work and continue that work. Um, most of our contracts uh, with schools come with school contracts. So we work with, um, and if uh, we work with three different school districts and a number of charter schools. Um, so that helps us do that work. We have contracts with Department of Criminal Justice Services and OCFS. So OCFS helps us do the work that we do in the detention centers and then the work that we do in um, our local uh, residential, I'm sorry, in the re OCFS helps us do the work in the residential centers and um, Erie County um, pays the work that is in the uh, detention center. And then we have grants that we do um, support training. The reason why we use grants to support community training, because we also believe in economic justice. We pay people to come to our, we don't charge people. We charge people to come to community-based training. But when we uh, run our um cohort facilitation because we know um, that people who really need to come to the training cannot afford the service or cannot afford to pay. So we pay them to come. So part of our contract is stipend for people to come and stipend for people to participate to become practitioners. Um, so that's part of the economic justice that um, that we try to give back to community. So those are mainly our uh, sources of, of, of income and how we have grown and tripled in size. So when, um, so probably about three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, that's when we tripled in in our size and um, our 
uh, community offerings mm-hmm. and contracts. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> it's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, thanks for the question. Well, that's behind people like you. <laughs> Coming that's alongside of us. That Thank you. you. You offer your practitioner stipends. I love that. I love that economic justice mm-hmm. piece. Thank you for doing it that way. Yeah. Thank you for making that a mm-hmm. priority. Um, here oh. in Colorado, we have a we have a um, statewide coalition that was brilliantly on the ball with adding um, a surcharge onto every interaction with police statewide that happens, meaning every ticket. Um, there's a surcharge that goes to a restorative justice fund here in Colorado. Um, and that's thanks to the very good people involved like yourself, um, you know, but but here in Colorado, people who are passionate about belonging, people who, um, even though they wear the costume of politician or DA, strongly believe in restorative practices and justice. And, and many of them are practitioners as well, which is very cool because mm-hmm. having that practitioner seat and perspective um, really deepens our ability to then um, I feel bring forward these practices in a, in a, a way that's um, accurately attenuated to that essence of belonging, um, you know, to, to offer that as a, a practitioner and with humility, which you're, you're so beautifully presencing all the time, Dina, and um an offering it seems you know in in hearing you tonight i heard um, the beautiful principle of going into a room with curiosity around um curiosity around how this this person um who might be a judge or a police officer um has a need to belong and i I think if i heard you correctly that's what you were saying and and so every time you're approaching a, a new relationship in the community, you bring that at, at your forefront. And I love that. I've, I've never heard it quite put that way. And that's a, a beautiful way to bring um, that mindfulness and conscientiousness. Um, it shifts the field, I think. Um, I think mm-hmm. it shifts the, the dynamic and field like that. And we're nonverbal communicators, right? <laughs> And you get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> oh, excuse me for going on too long as the host. Um, is there anyone else that would like to have a question before we let Dina have her evening back? Um, Dina, it's this time has flown. It's been such a pleasure. Anyone else uh, with a question? I think we have time for one more, maybe. I at least need to hear Amy say hi. Oh, hi, Dina. It's <laughs> uh, so nice to me. It's so nice. Um, um, I have a million questions, but I don't want to take any airspace, but now I have the mic. So does did anybody else want to ask a question? Because uh, I'm enjoying I, it. Yeah. Sorry, Amy. Um, I see a comment. May I go ahead and read the comment and then um, hand it back to you, Amy? Yeah. yeah. So Bonnie says... Um, so inspiring. I have the training and I've been using mm. the circle in a women's jail. I would like to see it more in the community. 
I learned some steps to make this happen in my county. Um, in Pennsylvania, I think that's what she means. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, Paula says, thank you for everything, Dina. Great work. And thank you to others who are bringing restorative justice to their communities. Mm -hmm. Yay. All right. Back to you, Amy. Okay. I'm like, where do I start? There's so many <laughs> things I can question you on. Um, I just love the, I loved your comment that this, the youth are, are telling other youth like pick this program I think that's incredibly powerful um I thought your creativity around the like role play thing is hilarious um and really interesting and it made me think about doing that in schools I don't know if you've done that in schools as well with doing it to admin so I'm very curious about how that could play out um but I guess I kind of um I'm in a similar spot where we're often just helping schools build a tier one capacity, understand and do this tier one work, which you're talking about is culture change. And I am curious, I guess this is my most immediate like life. I mean, I'm curious about how you speak to schools about system change, because that's be obviously the most resistance. They're just like, it's as if they have I don't know, they feel trapped and bound by this system. So I don't know. Um you know, if they feel powerless or they really are powerless, what you think about how to help them begin to move the system to make space for this because they believe it and they buy into it. And yet I think that's where the break stop for many of them. So that was one question, but I'm like, is that really what I wanted to ask you? I wanted to hear more about your coalition because as I imagine you have a very deep, wide, rich, wealthy in connection coalition in your community um, and I was also very curious about like, it sounds like I heard the why of how it started around the tree. Um, but I am curious about what that coalition looks like and how they interact and how that comes together and, and works within like your community. So I think I may be mm. more interested in that. I don't know. You can pick. <laughs> um, so I, I'll start with the first one in schools. Um, I, I always like to start, start where the lowest hanging fruit is. Right. Um, and or and be innovative at the same time. So here's an interesting. I just got a call from a school that said to us, can you train us in the PD of how to use restorative practice for McKinney Vento? So here in Buffalo, we're seeing an increase of youth homelessness, right? And youth aren't attending school, but youth need to be in school. And so them just asking, can a restorative re approach be for this? Like, can we have a restorative conversation around youth who are homeless? now. And so I'm like, okay, that is a conversation who a lot of people don't have a whole lot of buy-in for. If you don't have a whole lot of buy-in for restorative practices, that's one space I could use it. So I'm always looking at like, what are small spaces that we can use restorative practice, meeting people where they are, but then being able to take them where they want to go. Right. And so you, so I'm looking at small avenues. Is it you know, more effective to use it with this girl's group? Is it more effective to use it with this? Is it more effective to use it started on the sports? Like where can we get the most leverage with restorative practice? And can we use it in grade level meetings? Let's just check in with teachers. Man, morale is really down. Can we just check in morale with teachers right now? So use restorative practice with teachers. I am on the philosophy is if restorative practice is done with the adults in the building, it's out of the overflow 
that the kids will benefit. So if we're checking him with adults in the big in the building, then the 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 teachers will know, oh my gosh, they must care about me because they're doing this with me. It's not just everything for the kids. So maybe it's just starting off just seeing teachers where they are. Um, I think the other part of your the whole coalition building. And so this is the sad, not the sad part, but this is the part of growth where like, are we still a grassroots organization or are we too big? <laughs> Sometimes like now, but how I see it now is now we're, we're more in a mentoring stage. Like we've been at the grassroots, we've been around the tree and now we're planting. The tree is getting really, really big. So now we're taking some fruit off the tree and we're starting other coalition building work. So we're we're now beyond capacity. We have a ton of community partners that are, that are invested differently um, within our organization, but we're planting other fruit uh, from what we have expanded, from what we have grown on, and investing in other coalition work. So that grassroots work is keep growing, keeps growing. Because I missed the grassroots under the tree conversations, but now on the tables with like. Um, state level people. And now, you know, like, oh, can you just do this? So I'm at a different complete table, but I, I still love um, planting seeds and supporting other that other kind of grassroots work. And so I think as, um, as part of a coalition, both need to happen at the same time. So not leaving people behind, but still knowing that, um, tilling the soil. I love planting things and having things grow and still tilling that soil. Um, while still growing in the areas. Cause my thing is really like, we need policy change. Like I, we need to forget all this. Our state, ed, we need to revamp that thing. <laughs> and so we need to start all over. And I keep having conversations of like, we need to revamp it and stop trying to fit restorative practice. And it needs to be a course in school. So I'm like, I'm just like, I'm done with all of that other stuff. So I'm just looking at it differently. Like I think it would be amazing to have, you got a study hall, forget study hall. They're not studying. Give them 45 minutes of being with each other. So I'm in a different, different way. It's great to, 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 to know that you're here, Janet and Barbara. I miss you guys. Please reconnect. Thanks for being here, Janet and Barbara. And uh, thanks for staying over time. Those of you that are still here. And uh, just a reminder, uh, for those of you that are tuning in after the fact on the podcast, thank you so much for being with us as well. Encouraging you to visit the Erie County Restorative Justice Coalition website, which is ecrjc.org. And um, check out the resources there. Uh, like I said earlier, they have an extraordinary referral form um, samples there, well, that are used in actuality. But um, one of the things that's fascinating for me as a host, an advocate and a practitioner is to um, connect people together. So uh, Dina, do you have a, an email that you'd like to share with everyone listening or present tonight um, or the best way to contact you? Would it be through the website or do you wanna just give out your email? Not putting you on the spot. Yeah, here. it's just, no, it's just saying dthompson at crjc.org. Okay, perfect. Because I'm so, sure that this, yep. this conversation mm -hmm. will um, probably be planting seeds as uh, in referring to the tending the seeds and growing things um, they, that for, for others. And I, I do want to make note also that 
This is a global podcast. It reaches the far corners of our beautiful planet that we're honored to be here together upon. And so um, would you like to conclude tonight with anything you'd love to share with a global community? On any point tonight that has meant most to you or that you mm-hmm. just would like to, to conclude with? Uh, I think I love that concept of this global community, right? Um, We are all a part of each other. Um, And I think that's so um, impactful and powerful. And I feel like um, that we can do a better job taking care of each other. Um, And I think that we need to, we need to practice that, right? It's not, it's not perfection. It's not restorative. Perfect. It's restorative practice. We need to practice doing that with one another. There's so many things in the world um, that we are um, fighting against um, when there should be so many things that we are working together for. So not even fighting for, but working together for. And I think I want to start it, um, end it the way we started. We're more alike than we are different. And if we can just work on the things that we are more alike about, um, I think we can make the world a better place together. Oh, what a beautiful concluding thought. Thank you so much, Dina. And uh, can't wait to do more with you and to support your work and to connect uh, anyone here tonight after the fact with you, or again, who might be listening. Um, Just a deep bow of thanks to each of you, to uh, this global community of restorative practitioners and advocates that you all are. in whatever way that you're being (laughs) and doing, being and doing the work. Um, Thank you. And uh, just a reminder again, give uh, the coalition some love. Um, They have a donate button on their website. We'd really love for you to support them tonight if you are able to and so moved and um, share their work, Uh, post it on social media, get the word out and really help help people to make connections together. Um, Dina, uh, your wisdom and knowledge goes much beyond the length of an hour, but thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us and can't wait to see what's next here. Uh, thanks again. And of course, I'm your host, Molly oh. Rupert-Leach. Um, Pleasure and honor always for 13 almost years now. Um, to hear from people from all over the world. Let us know how we're doing. Um, Restorative Justice on the Rise loves to hear feedback. Um, We don't intend harm in these spaces, but if it happens, we want to know that kind of feedback too, because that's generative and that helps us to refine and hone in on how we can hold these spaces optimally and inclusively in theory and in practice. (laughs) So... Good night, everybody. Good night and be well to you all during this blessed time of the year. And we'll see you again, hopefully very soon.